Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. How is everybody? Recovering from Saturday, yeah. For my Alabama fans, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was uh, that was a rough one. Uh, I watched that last night, and that was just uh, uh, unexpected, I think, is probably the best word for it. And the fact that you let the Longhorns do it to you on top of that. You see, the enemy of my friend is my enemy. And I'm a Razorback. So you know what Texas did to us in 65, right? They robbed us of back-to-back national titles in front of the president at the time, which we still have not really gotten over that. So uh, we hold grudges in Arkansas. 1965, I'll remind you. Uh, I'm sure you'll be talking about yesterday in 2045, whatever that equivalent is. Um, I think it's best said in the unnamed man on Fox Sports Network last night. They had this man who clearly had too much to drink. And they interviewed him about the Alabama and the Texas game. And some of you, I'm sure, saw this. And they said, sir, what are your thoughts on the game? And, I mean, this guy was decked out, tied. I mean, he had elephants on his cheek. You know what I'm saying? And he goes, that's the thing about the tide, baby. It goes down, but it comes back up. And to that I say, amen, sir, amen. <laughs> uh, he'll, he'll have a long day today when he realizes he was interviewed. <laughs> Just a quick recap about last weekend. Uh, we, we got to talking about vision, and this whole series we're going to be talking about uh, this week, next week, and then uh, one week after that, so a total of four weeks. We're talking about vision. Uh, last week we discovered that vision It's the ability to see the invisible in order to make it a possibility. Uh, It's also, it's a look at the future while we're still in the present. Uh, Vision is the most powerful tool that God gave us here on earth. The most powerful tool. It allows us to see things that aren't as though they were. And so we're, we're able to function in a reality that does not exist yet. Uh, this past week, uh, we have finalized uh, the floor plan for the Hope Center. Yep. Uh, you guys will see that in two weeks. I'll show that to you on the screen in two weeks. Hopefully by then I'll have the final, ele- final elevation exteriors to show you as well. Uh, we're moving fast on this. Uh, can I tell you, God has a plan for our city. And this project, this construction project, is going to be used in a myriad of ways uh, to make change. And so uh, be praying with us. Today I want to talk to you uh, about people and vision. People and vision. People 
and vision run together like peanut butter and jelly, right? And so I've entitled my sermon, Who Needs Me? Who Needs Me? Your vision is tied to a need. The vision God will give you is tied to the need of a people. You may or may not know that while you are building the vision. We're going to look at how this operates, how this functions in the body of Christ today. And uh, just to get going right off the bat, uh, people and their needs are the biggest clue in your quest for vision. People and their needs are the biggest clue in your quest for vision. You see, God always has a people behind his purposes. Now, does he reveal that to us? Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But you can rest assured that behind your vision is the concept of God bringing a child or children closer to him. That's always the vision of heaven. That's how we know if our vision lines up with heaven or not, is what is the final outcome from it. And if the final outcome is that we are letting our light so shine before men that they see the love of God in us, that is a God-given vision. Vision is often based on a need that God shows us in people. He gives us vision in the forms of strategic planning and witty inventions. We'll say that again. Vision is often based on a need that God shows us in people. He gives us vision in the forms of strategic planning and or witty inventions. It's also possible to see a vision without seeing a people's need. This takes place in Nehemiah. We're going to talk about it today. Here's an example of it. Uh, King Artaxerxes uh, had allowed Nehemiah to serve along with him. Uh, and and I, I can almost imagine that King Artaxerxes, not only did he not care, but he was completely unaware to Nehemiah's background. But what's interesting is that God stirred the heart of a foreign king to yield finances and resources and protection for Nehemiah to go back and rebuild walls. Now, here's the part I want to show you. The walls were for people, but had God stirred his heart for people and not walls, Artaxerxes would have not been interested. How do I know that? Because he left people in Jerusalem to squander. He did not care about the people. He cared about real estate. And so when Nehemiah said, turn me loose to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, what King Artaxerxes heard was, hey, here's a guy who wants to go and increase the value of my holdings. God will speak to you in the way you will hear him best. He's just good in that way. Can I tell you, that's not the only time in the scripture that God used a pagan king. You can go see this also in King Cyrus, that God used the finances and the wealth of the resources and the protection of King Cyrus. God will bring resources to your vision that you would have never seen coming. I'll never forget, uh, I think it was our first uh, celebration meal, maybe our second celebration meal. We were having it out uh, at the golf course there, and, uh, and we had new members. And the waitress walks in, and she hands me a check. 
that honestly the amount shocked me. And she handed me a check and she goes, it's from the gentleman at the bar. And I went and stuck my head around the corner and I knew the guy at the bar, but I also knew him as someone who doesn't attend a church, who, to be quite honest, is quite um, um, cynical and skeptical of the church. But he handed me a check for $1,000 and on the bottom of the check, he says, I believe in what you're doing. Can I tell you, the Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Now here's what's great. Since then, God has been able to use me in this man's life. It may not be today, it may not be next week, but eventually, God's going to get that man's heart. Can I tell you, God's already whispering to him because he wouldn't have heard to write the check if he wasn't. So here's the truth. Is God can use any resources on earth that he needs to help you acquire and obtain your vision. Does that excite anybody today? Well, it really excites me because I know the price of the budget we're fixing to launch. And can I tell you, I'm going to give you that in a couple of weeks. I'm going to share with you because, listen, when God released Nehemiah to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, he didn't just hand Nehemiah a hammer. He didn't just hand Nehemiah a trowel. He handed everyone who was going to benefit a trowel and a hammer. So guess what? Your hammer and trowel will be here in two weeks. So we're excited about that. But I found it powerful that God did not burden Nehemiah with his heart specifically. He burdened him with a purpose that would trigger the resources from the holder of the resources. Isn't that wonderful how God does that? Now, I do want to take you down that path today to let you know that God always has a purpose and a plan that has to do with people. But there's a bigger part of vision and people that we need to discuss. While people can be your biggest blessing in your vision, they can also be used to distract and dismantle your vision as well. Now, uh, I want you to stay with me because I'm going to say some things that I'm Second service is really going to give me amens on, and some of y'all are just going to think about it deeply. I know we got two different really churches going on. We got first service church, we got second service church, uh, but I'll be shocked if I don't get at least one amen out of the teaching today from this service. In Nehemiah chapter two, uh, we see the intricate management of people while chasing down a vision. It's very very cool. Nehemiah chapter two. We're going to start around verse twelve. Uh, in verse twelve, the writer says this: Then I arose in the night. I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do in Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. Let me say that again. I rose in the night. I was careful. I don't want anybody to see. I and a few people with me. I told no one what God had put in my heart to do in Jerusalem nor there was any animal with me except the one on which I rode. Let me explain to you, based on Hope City's vision, what that looks like. A year and a half ago, uh, it looked like God had sprung a church from nothing. But the truth is that God had been building in my heart for over a year what was supposed to happen, and I sat on it 
and I squandered a year. But can I tell you this? God had a plan in that year. Because while he was building in my heart, he was acquiring a group of people together that were supposed to go and with us to build. Right? So here's what's interesting. It's Nehemiah says, I rose in the night and just a few people were with me. Just a few people. Can I tell you, when we were doing the paperwork, we had about six people with us at the table doing the paperwork for the church. And those six people are now on our board because they were with us as we navigated this dark time. This We don't know what's coming. We don't know what God has for us in the future. We don't know. We've seen visions of it, but we don't know how it's going to play out. Can I tell you, you need to be very careful about who you tell about your vision. There's those amens. Oh, we're starting early. I'll take them. I'll take them. Be very careful with whom you share your vision. It is a valuable and precious thing that is as light as a vapor. And if you give it to the wrong person at the wrong time, they'll destroy it. They will lead you in faith or they will lead you in fear, but the people around you will lead you one way or the other. And so it's important that you surround yourself with faith-filled believers as your vision is coming forth. Surround yourself with people that have seen God bring something out of nothing. It's imperative because when we started talking about Hope City, we got a few of our friends together and strategic leaders together. When we told them what we wanted, we said, well, what do we have? Nothing. What do we have to start with? Zero, nothing. Nothing. As a matter of fact, at the time, uh, we were fixing to go talk to the builder of our home and say, stop the process. We don't know if we have the money to afford the house we've begun. Can I tell you, God is in those nothing plans. Because sometimes all he will give you is faith in friends, but that's enough. So be careful who you share your vision. Why? Because vision should be stewarded as the asset and the gift that it is. Vision should always be stewarded. I always say this, if you wouldn't trust someone with your children's future, why on earth would you trust them with your vision? If you wouldn't trust somebody with the future of your children, why would you ever trust them with your vision? Next, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 16 says, And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or the others who did the work. So Nehemiah has snuck into Jerusalem and began to assess the need. And he says in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 16, he says, Even the officials didn't know where I had gone. The people who checked his papers as he came to the city, and now they've lost track of Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah is like a ninja at nighttime. He's sneaking out, and he's, he's assessing the damage. What needs to be done? Can I tell you, that year that we waited to tell anybody, God was showing us needs in our city that I don't, I don't know if anybody else saw them. Maybe they did. I don't know. But all I'm responsible for is what God showed me. And can I tell you, one of the things he showed me is that there's a lot of people building beautiful buildings for beautiful people. 
But what God told me about Hope City, he said, I need a church, I need a person, I need a group of people who will stand up and build beautiful things for hurting people. And so that's the way the vision began. And you can't just jump out and say, hey, we're building a church in Crestview because people get so excited about another church in Crestview. Church number 75 and counting. Oh, sometimes I'm glad the Holy Spirit stops my mouth. You know, I'm going to say it anyway. If all 75 churches were doing what they're supposed to do, we wouldn't need another church. A clapping first service is huge. <laughs> we would have had cartwheels in second service. They would have sent a blimp across the crowd. There would have been a fire tunnel up here. I'm just telling you, boy. Have, but I take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> oh, I love you, first service. I love you. So why? Why do we have these details in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 16? The first thing I want to point out is that God wanted to do something unique through Nehemiah. And see, the reason he goes into details in verse 16, he says, I hadn't told the Jews. I hadn't told the priests. I hadn't told the nobles or the officials or the others who were already working. When God gives you a vision, the enemy can send people with their own vision to muck yours up. You you got to be real careful that you don't let your vision get muddied with everybody else's stuff. Because, boy, when people found out what we were doing, they all had an idea of how we should do it. But then it dawned on me, then why ain't they doing it? Can I tell you, advice is cheap from certain positions. I'm going to mess around. I'm going to take a blood pressure pill this morning. <laughs> Had everyone else, all of those other people, the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, the people who are already working, had they known the vision too soon, they could have manipulated Nehemiah and the vision God had launched in his heart. And can I tell you, that that is a tricky plan of the devil because it looks like help. It looks like assistance. It looks like commonality. And hey, we can all work together on this thing. But let me tell you something. While we always want to be inclusive, this vision is unique and exclusive as well. And it doesn't exclude people, but it does exclude all of the strange ideas that are out there about how we should do it. We're going to let God lead us. Is that okay, church? Thank you. Can I tell you, again, Holy Spirit, stop me if I ain't supposed to say it. Everyone in here, you have great ideas. But it doesn't make me liable to you. Let me say that again. This church has wonderfully creative people. And at the right time, I promise you, we'll put those ideas to work but it does not make this vision liable to you. This vision is liable to God, and we will trust Him with it. Liable to God in that vision alone. Amen.
Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18 through 19. It says, And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. Now it's time to share the vision. It's coming out. Get ready. It says, And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that had been spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. But. Somebody looks at your neighbor and say, but. The curse word in some of your houses, be careful. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us. So Nehemiah goes to share the vision. And the minute the vision comes to life in front of the multitude, the opposition shows up. Can I tell you, this verse proves my previous two points. Do in secret until God tells you to reveal it. Do it with a select group of people that you can trust. Can I tell you, your vision is precious and the devil will send people to squash it. Here's a couple points about these verses. All big vision comes with big opposition. The bigger your vision, the bigger the opposition. The size of your opposition can often help us realize the importance of our vision. When you wake up one day and all of a sudden you got political leaders running their mouth about you, you're probably going to be tearing some walls down. That's okay. Because it doesn't just say, Sambalit, the, the Horonite, watch this. It just says he's just a man from this area. But then it goes to Tobiah, the Ammonite official, steps into another step. But then it goes to Geshem, the Arab, which were a large financial group. So there's steps in the people that brought opposition. It wasn't just three individuals. No, there were three layers of opposition that came against them. And that's why you get these three details. You can often tell the God size of his vision by who the devil sends to oppose you. So I'm not shocked that other preachers run their mouth about Hope City. They don't bother me. All that does it reminds me that the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And that we, when we have certain political leaders wanting to run their mouth and challenge and check and all this stuff, that don't bother me either. You know what? I'm responsible to God for the vision. I'm responsible for you for the way I live my life. Right? And anything else, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. Can I tell you this? God is big enough that he can even open the hearts of our opposition for us. Amen. So let me just, boy, I feel the Holy Spirit wanting me to completely jump on this. You need to give God praise for your opposition. I almost got a full clap. Let me say it again. <laughs> Some of you 
are asking God to relieve opposition from you. But what you don't realize is you don't graduate without opposition. Wendy almost kills me three times a week at Planet Fitness. And here's what's funny. If it wasn't for the weight, I would be building nothing. If it wasn't for the opposition, no strength would be gained. And some of you are praying to God to make your life easier when what you need to be praying for is strength to lift where he's got you. Don't. Somebody gave me a gift. Bobby, I think you gave me this gift. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, a missile thing, a, a big a bullet casing. And on it, it says uh, something to the point of, don't pray for an easier life. Pray for the strength to be the man where God called you to be. Can I tell you something? That God is looking for a body of believers that aren't afraid to lift. Can I tell you, what I show you in two weeks, there's going to be two kinds of people. There's going to be two kinds, of, only two. There's going to be a group of people that say, praise God, when do we start? And then there's going to be other two people saying, I don't know about that vision. I'm going to have to think and pray about that. I don't know if I need. Listen, it's easy to come in here and just suck the part-time air conditioning. Right? But when it comes time to lift, when it comes time to do something for a people that haven't found this place yet, it takes some pressing. It takes some faith exercises. It may look like to some of you that you serve in areas you've never served in. That you're willing to put your fear on the line and put your faith out to where you're greeting people that have never come to a church before. To some of you, it may look like this. It may look like you read the word and begin to study the word and find out what it says about your finances. Because can I tell you, we need your faith when it comes to finances. What God has called us to build, we need everybody's help. And can I tell you, I praise God, God's going to bring the finances together. I know he will. Even if he's got to use Artaxerxes, somebody that's not even associated with a church. But here's what I don't want. I don't want a church that misses the opportunity to sow seed into winning soil. What God is going to do with this Hope Center is going to change our community. I don't want you missing it. Don't be praying for an easier life. Got to get stronger where you're at. Can I tell you, Sometimes it's time to stop reminding God of our adversities and our adversaries. It's time that we remind our adversaries who our God is. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20. They asked Nehemiah, what are you doing here? He said, so I answered him. I said to him, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. 
he was talking to the haters. He said, so they mocked us and they laughed at us and they made fun of us. So I answered them. And I said to him, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. Can I tell you, I don't need anybody that ain't his to help me. I don't need anybody that ain't his to help. Because who God has sent here is more than enough. Let me show you this. He goes on to say, remember there were, there were three people who came against him. And there's three answers God gave him. He says, you have no heritage. I believe he was talking to the three people in a row. He says, to you, you have no heritage here. You have no understanding of what God wants to do again in this city. Then he looks to the second one. He says, you have no right. Remember, one was an official who only understood rights and laws. He said, you have no right to run your mouth here. We find out later in the book of Nehemiah that they were trafficking through Jerusalem and they weren't telling the king. And he says, you and what you have done and this city is over. Can I tell you, we are looking to the enemy. We are looking to the dope dealers. We are looking to the people who have preyed on people's fear. And we're saying, your reign is over. Why do you think God is putting his church where he's putting it? Right in the area that's underserved, there are people who live in the neighborhood we're about to build who are afraid to come out of their house at night. I say, let the church arise and the enemy be scattered. <laughs> Lastly, he's speaking to the Arab, Geshem. A lot of times people want to give for the wrong reasons. They want to give to put their name on something. They want to give so they can put it in the newspaper. They want to give so that they can get earthly praise. His last response is, me and God's servants will rise and build, but you have no memorial in Jerusalem. Let me put that in common words for you. Only God will receive the glory for what we are about to build. No man will lay claim to it. No organization will lay claim to it. No political party will lay claim to it. God himself will build the Hope Center. In the same way he built the walls of Jerusalem and sent the people to do it, the people are here. The tools are coming. The vision is here. It's time to build. Church, it's time to build. We've waited. We've fasted. We've prayed. We've begged God. I'll take it a step further. We begged leadership. 
But God's ways are higher than our ways. I give God praise for His timing. But now, we build. We don't need anybody's approval to build what God's told us to build. Don't worry, Tim, we'll get our permits filled. I guess a better way to say that is that God is our source. You have a place in this process. Today, my challenge for you is simple. Starting today, I want you to begin to pray and ask God what it is He wants you to do for the Hope Center. It may be your first week here. Praise God. I want you to ask God what you can do for the Hope Center. Some of you say, oh, I'll give this, I'll give that. Praise God. Well, how will you serve? Some of you say, I'll serve, but I don't have it. Well, how will you give? I'm going to show you next week that it wasn't enough just to build. They also had to fight. There was a season when they were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem that they did so with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. Sometimes it takes a little more than what we planned. It takes a little bit bigger faith than what we had allotted. Can I tell you, this is a vision from God to build this building. This is a vision from God. Can I tell you this? I have never known God to walk out on something He ordered. So, this whole thing's been dedicated to the Lord. And I want you to understand that we have faced opposition from day one. And we're going to continue to face opposition. That doesn't scare me. It doesn't scare our board, doesn't scare our elders. I don't think it scares you. Or you wouldn't be here. But we're moving forward with the building of the Hope Center. Begin to pray how it is God can use your time, your talents, and your treasures to build. There's been one time as your pastor that I asked something from you. And that was to build a fence in Africa. And you built that fence in one week. You built it in one week. I can only imagine how God's going to use us over the next few decades to change the city. But I ask you, are you ready? Are you ready to build? Are you ready to put a stake in the dirt? See, it's got to be for the right reasons. It can't just be, oh, we're tired of set up and tear down. And boy, that's, that, that weighs on us, doesn't it? It can't just be because we want a pretty building. There's enough pretty churches. It's got to be a church that puts a stake in the ground and says, as for me 
and this house will serve the Lord. So I ask you, are you ready to build? Do you see the vision? Is it alive in your hearts? Can you see it with your mind's eye? Can I tell you this? You won't have to worry about your mind's eye in two weeks. You will see it on these screens. Hope was coming, but now hope is here. Begin to pray. Promise me you'll pray. Because I believe God is going to bring resources from the north, south, east, and west. But our prayer will not change. Lord, don't bring a single soul that we cannot love well. Are you ready to build? Stand to your feet. We prayed. We said, Lord, where do you want us to be when you hear our worship? Where do you want us to be when we lift your name together? We looked at pieces of land all over the city. God kept bringing us back to this one piece. And I say bringing us back because even after we thought we had it, we still kept looking for more. God made it apparent, this is where I want you to build. Can I tell you that we are a piece to a very big puzzle on how to heal our city. We don't consider ourselves any greater. We also will never allow ourselves to think any less of ourselves. We are a piece to a puzzle that God is doing in our city to heal our land. Take you back to Jerusalem. Nehemiah went out in the dark to assess the problems. Can I tell you, if you want to see the problems in our city, go out at night. Go see the problems. But God, for such a time as this, has given us a vision, has given us the capabilities, has given us the leaders in our city. It's time to possess the land. Church, it's time to go possess the land. Are you ready to build? Father, we love you. Consecrate us now for the build that is to come. Purify us from any vision that's not yours. Heal us from any wounds of the past that might cause us to make moves outside of your timing. Lord, we see the vision clearly. We say, use us. Use us. Place us where nobody else wants to go. And then I pray you would set us on fire with the Holy Ghost. Lord, there are people who are waiting for a church to burn with passion again for the lost. So use us. There is no hope outside of Jesus. So help us to carry that hope as we build.
Remind us when things are tiring, when things may seem like it's just the mundane over and over, when it seems like maybe the construction has lulled. In those times, be our joy. Reinvigorate us. But under the influence of the Holy Spirit, I say it's time to build. And we will rebuild where the enemy has done the damage. We will take back your city, Father. We will occupy until your return. We say use us. Father, as people pray this week, reveal to them how it is that you will use them. Give them clarity of their part of this vision. And I thank you in advance for it. Bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace, both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon that's formed against us will prosper. But I thank you for a clarity of mind for each person here that you would bring us into one accord for one vision, for one focus, to bring into reality what now is only a vision. I thank you that you have released us and now we build. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Bring us back next week with more wisdom, more of your word and your vision. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.